Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Augusta Koch of Gladi and previously of Kayatana. We talked about Rilo Kiley's 2002 album, Execution of All Things, and about first cars, having a short rockabilly phase as kids, and starting fresh with new projects. On that subject, we talk about tactfulness and those unspoken things that we all do to the artists we love and how that might be hurting them. More on that, I promise. Gladi released Everyone is Talking But You in 2018 and a slew of EPs and singles in 2020. They're working on releasing a new album, so stay tuned. If you like what we do on the main feed, then please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we talk about records we liked a lot when we were younger, and we revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get an exclusive episode every week. Really helps, and if I must say, recently we upgraded our Zoom file, and those things are really expensive to have for a year. So having more patrons would really offset the cost of that. I really don't like begging on the main episodes, but it's very expensive, so thank you. Any support is very appreciated. Okay, no delays. Let's chat with Augusta. Hey, Augusta, how's it going? I'm great. Just having some tea. Um, having a nice little Tuesday night. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of uh, threw that in really quick. I don't. I wasn't even really ready to say your name, but uh, that was nice. I did it super quick. It, it was, was like, a, really fast. That was a fun surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we are talking about Rilo Kylie's second album, Execution of All Things, that came out in 2002 on Saddle Creek Records. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard this album or Rilo Kylie in general? I def. I think I was in tenth tenth grade of high school um I had just gotten my driver's license and I was obsessed with this record mm. so this was the first one you heard I think this was my first Rilo Kylie record yeah yeah and I loved it and I had just gotten an old Jeep Grand Cherokee that was, like didn't have power steering and I would listen to this record all the time and it's mm. still good do you remember do you remember how many miles that Jeep Grand Cherokee? Oh, had? a lot. Because it was my, <laughs> it was my mom's at first, and she got a new car, so she gave me her old car. But she had driven it off like a small cliff. This sounds really dramatic, but it was. And half of it was like two tone because she never she didn't get it repainted or anything. So like uh -huh. the front half was black, and then the rest of the car was silver. So it was a hot mess. Um, but yeah, it was a really shitty car. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are no Jeep Grand Cherokees that have like under 200,000 miles. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like everyone's. It worked sort of. I had to steer it like a boat. Yeah. 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 I had a small, it was like a Honda Civic Wagavan. It was like 1987. And that's a lot smaller of a vehicle than the one you just mm -hmm. mentioned. But it didn't have power steering on it either. And that was pretty hard it's pretty so. crazy to think about like your first car driving being mm -hmm. like potentially your most dangerous vehicle you ever owned <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know my, what I mean yeah my parents um uh, they were like 
it, it almost just felt like it was like I didn't have my license for a really long time. For some reason, my my parents told me that um, I wasn't gonna get my license till after I graduated uh-huh. high school. Yeah, and then they realized that that was a bad idea. Yes, yeah. they didn't really have a reason. It was just what they just came up with an idea, and they're like, "That's it." Mm-hmm. And then eventually, so it felt like um, we're like, "Oh, now you have your license." That's what it feels like in hindsight. And so they were like, "Oh, now drive yourself to church," oh, wow. and it was a stick shift. So basically, I just had to learn how to drive a stick shift in like. An afternoon. Oh, that's not enough and, uh, time. No, <laughs> that's really and, hard. Uh, yeah, so I remember like stalling out in the middle of like an intersection, and like cars were coming, and I was just like, yeah, you know. I had so. my sister had like a really old Audi, like a really shitty Audi. Sounds nice because an Audi is a fancy car, but it didn't like yeah. the passenger side didn't have a floor that went all the way down, so you could just like see the ground. And it was stick shift. And she was like, I'm going to teach you how to drive it. And I stalled out in the middle of the road. And I was like, I'm never driving stick shift again. And I didn't. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It was like what I remember about it, too. It was like that day I had to drive myself. And then the next day I had to like go to like a I think it was like a Taco Bell office to like get my last check there. Nice. Taco Bell employee. uh, What's up? (laughs) Yeah. But it was across town. Yeah. And so I didn't know still didn't really know how to drive stick. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's just terrifying. I, I don't, I, it's like, I don't know why it's like, I get the idea that I guess this is just the car that they have. Like you, like yeah. you said with your mom, it's like, oh, this is your car now. Yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> probably Which is wasn't nice, like a, right? We're yeah. lucky in that, but it's also like, yeah, <laughs> that's wild that you were just like, okay, you're going to drive stick shift. Yeah. There you go. Do you still drive stick shift? Uh, I had a stick shift for I don't own my current car. I have like a minivan. Nice. Um, and it was, well, it was supposed to be kind of like my new touring vehicle. Cool. And then, you know, what happened with that? Yeah. And uh, so my my kind of 15 passenger van has just been sitting. Well, now I'm like, this is the third spring that it's just been sitting. I know. I have a, I have a van too. And it's just, I drive it around sometimes to make sure it's still doing its thing. I forgot to do that for a long period of time and yeah. now it won't start and uh, so i'm like i just need to sell it you know because it's like i don't really need it you know i think some of my bandmates think we do but it's like we could make it work in a minivan yeah um some, so that feels sad though yeah it's like it's yeah it is kind of like just looking it's like if you had a boat you know i would <laughs> assume like you not know. that like anyone listening to this probably could understand the 15 passenger van thing so for some reason i had to make it where like normie dads would understand imagine if you had a boat yeah Yeah. i mean it's kind of like that recently i drove i drove it at night to sheets just so i could feel something again (laughs) you know i'm just gonna drive the van to sheets because i can't you know i'm not touring or anything yeah well maybe we should uh we'll talk about something (laughs) (laughs) so okay so you're in 10th grade and you heard rilo kiley for the first time Mm -hmm. uh it's the second record I guess to insert myself into the story, I had never listened to this specific record. I feel like for some reason I've always just listened to takeoffs and landings. Yeah, yeah. And never went past that mm-hmm. for no reason. I really liked that record. Yeah. And just never did. I didn't even really know like where in the cycle takeoffs and landings did. Only with the research on this, I was like, I would have thought that that record wasn't like their first because mm-hmm. it feels like really already it's really well good yeah 
that's a good record. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so it was kind of surprising to learn more about them, which I knew nothing outside of just like, you know, kind of the things about like Jenny Lewis and then Blake, you know, the things about, you know, child stars. Yeah. Little note I wrote down. But for all of that, it's like, I know nothing about this band. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I I feel like I know a fair amount about Jenny Lewis, but I kind of tend to not do a ton of research about bands that I like. Hmm. You know what I mean? Are you, do you feel like you're afraid on what you'll find out or is it just, just not even sometimes it's that? sometimes it's nice to just not know that much. Mm-hmm. Like I've noticed that now that I have like there's, you know, so much band stuff on Twitter. Like when we were growing up, we didn't constantly see what all of our favorite bands were thinking and feeling all the time. And it's yeah. kind of nice. Like, I feel like I follow some people that I'm like obsessed with you know but like i kind of like not knowing that much not for any like sinister reason just because it's like then it doesn't taint the music for me yeah because you would get like a different relationship with the music if you knew something different about like a person like like for movies i guess it's like if you know too much about a star that could potentially yeah it kind of takes you out of it yeah, like it's like, I don't know, Tom Cruise pops in my head. You know? Yeah, and then you're like, oh, he's a Scientologist. Come on. Yeah. But if you didn't know, you would just be like, oh, he jumps off stuff. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then do you ever have the inverse then? Because you were saying like you're obsessed with uh, certain people, I guess, that you follow. Um, do you feel like then you develop a relationship with their music because of how they are on social media? I don't know if I've ever done the, like, I follow someone and I like the, their personality a lot and then get into their music a lot. I feel like the people that I follow, I'm like, okay, it's good. I don't own a, like, I don't follow a ton of people in my, like, fav, you know, like, my hierarchy of bands that I love, like, my favorite bands, unless I, I'm like, this, I can't, this can't be ruined. You know, I don't want this to be ruined. So I don't think yeah. I've ever, I don't think I've ever been like, wow, this person's great on Twitter. I'm going to fall in love with their music. Well, I don't know what I'm doing on social media. Because <laughs> um, I, because I've, I've, you know, it's like, especially with, like we were mentioning the time that we're not touring, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, this better be funny. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. to be fair though, I don't, I think I am uh, might be unique in that situation because I feel like most people get popular because they're good at the internet. I don't do well in that situation for myself. Like I hate the internet in regards to like how you, being in a band, you have to be like a brand. I'm really bad at that. Uh, Mm. So it's kind of a bummer, but I get, I mean, most people are like that, you know, that's how people find music now. Yeah. It's hard because I mean, I feel like the idea of being like a brand, but to push your music i don't know how to do like i can i could probably tell like essentially a fart joke or something yeah yeah you know but like that doesn't probably you know if i had a manager or whatnot they probably would be like yeah but that doesn't really help yeah but then if i feel like if you follow a band or i guess we could say a brand really and you feel like they're only pushing the brand yeah it's a little weird you know you're like why you know it's so complicated i'm more so i feel like i'm better at least with music I, I feel like I'm good. Like I feel comfortable playing shows. 
that's when I, I'm like, yeah, like, this is great. I, every like the internet band aspect of it is a real struggle for me. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess bringing it back to Riley Kylie, um, well, do you follow Jenny Lewis on? I do. Oh. And did you ever get to see Rilo Kylie? I've never seen them. No. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I couldn't get a sense. I, it's like, I knew there were a big band, mm-hmm. but, but I could also, I couldn't get a sense of like how this album performed. I don't know either, because I think when I got really into them, I was relatively young and I wasn't going to like big shows like that. I was going to like local punk shows, but not like too many, like going into the city shows. Um, I'm curious about that too. I kind of feel like, and this is just, I'm just kind of making this up, but I feel like they might've gotten even more popular after they broke up. I think so. Um... You know, cause now Jenny Lewis is like, touring with like harry styles and stuff yeah i i feel that with that's my perception of well rilo kylie or Ginny lewis as a whole because even with like looking up usually i just like look up uh youtube videos and try and see like what late nights they had like kind of see if mm-hmm. you can get a sense of like what press was happening yeah around this time like and it looked like a lot of the press that was happening happened like in the next press cycle so on more adventurous yeah but i mean saddle creek is like you know a big label so even at this point you Mm -hmm. know but but it's like the little because i'm i was mentioning to you before they had an episode with nardwar Mm -hmm. and one of the little tidbits that they told nardwar was that dave foley Mm -hmm. uh, from kids in the hall Mm -hmm. he financed their ep interesting that's really weird and yeah and he because he saw him like their second show and was like if you're going into the studio i'll pay for it that's awesome it was like that casual you know so and also it just kind of seemed like i don't know kind of like what you grew well what personally what i grew up kind of hearing how bands just made connections and Mm -hmm. did this thing i mean what are the odds of someone like dave foley but that still doesn't feel like there was a reason Dave Foley did that outside of just like being nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like seeing them and being like they're a good band. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very like from even even takeoffs and landings, um, uh, it came out, they self released it and then it got re released by uh I never know how to pronounce this label, Barzuk. Yeah. I don't was, I don't yeah. know either, but I know it I feel like out. I've never heard anyone say it out yeah. loud. So yeah. so that was my attempt at it. It sounded good. Uh yeah, and then this one came out on Saddle Creek, mm-hmm. um, and it's very like Saddle Creek sounding because, yeah. like I said, I had only heard the first record, mm-hmm. and the juxtaposition. This almost sounds like this could be their first record. Yeah, in a way, not song wise, because I feel like the writing's just as strong, but like they're taking more like I guess lo-fi chances on this record than this the first one yeah they have a lot more like drum machine and yeah i agree with that oh i love this era of saddle creek Mm. and what was that era of saddle creek i feel like there was like uh i listened to this band as a ray a lot that was on that label then and um like i think that's they were starting to get really popular because of early bright eyes stuff right 
And yeah, I, I, I mean, around this time in my life, I was almost doing everything I could to avoid anything like Saddle Creek related. Yeah. Like, cause it was like, it wasn't punk or mm -hmm. it wasn't like, like heavy music or something. Like it was like the, it felt like at the time, like it was the antithesis of like what yeah. I stood for as a punk, yeah. <laughs> which sounds so funny now. So now in hindsight, I mean, it makes for like a lot of new discoveries, new as in probably still the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I, then I don't know kind of like what something was at the time, like the context of the time. Mm -hmm. I found, I found Rilo Kylie because do you remember that game, the emo game? No. It was like in the same era of like MySpace and all this stuff, there was this game where you, it was a computer game where you like ran around and you were a different character, but she was the only woman. It was like, um, the dude from Alkaline Trio and like all these people were you could pick your character and the only wo mm -hmm. woman was Jenny Lewis and I was like I guess I'll play her because all my friends were playing it and then I was like I guess I'll listen to this band was it really that like that and then the so it was picking Jenny Lewis as a character and then listening to the band yeah so that's almost like the Twitter thing kind like of. that you so <laughs> kind of <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of like all my guy friends were playing the emo game and there was no woman except for Jenny Lewis. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. What, what was the, was it like a Sims kind of thing? Well, you should look this up after it's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I feel like I looked it up not too long ago. Kind of, you, you play a character. It's like pretty like crappily made. I just, I don't really remember the concept. I think you're like trying to complete missions and it's, it's silly. But I definitely remember like the Alkaline Trio guy being in it and like maybe the promise ring. I don't know. But well, I'm I'm kind of surprised that I've never heard of this, but I guess kind of being like, well, you like you said, you were a punk kid back then. You wouldn't be playing the emo game. Well, some of that's like such arbitrary lines because it's like I liked Alkaline Trio. Yeah. Like I didn't it was mainly because of the town I grew up in. They were considered like punk. You're kinda yeah, I feel like they yeah. Too. yeah, but it's like in hindsight, you know, I mean the difference between Alkaline Trio and Rilo Kylie there's a little bit, but then when you get into like Alkaline Trio versus like I don't know, something else that might have been I feel like they're kinda emo. yeah. Yeah, they're kinda emo. Yeah. So it's like I I don't know. It's like probably just because they were kind of like scary, yeah. you know. Like they you were allowed to listen to them if you were also in the Misfits. It felt yeah, like. definitely yeah. strong Misfits vibe. I liked Alkaline Trio a lot too. Yeah. So where where did you grow up? In the Pocono Mountains, which is like two hours from Philly, but it's oh okay. I I feel like I never know what that. I mean, I know you just explained it, but I always thought the Poconos were like New York. I mean, it's funny. It's two hours from New York and two hours from Philly. Oh, okay. And is Poconos, is that where, like, Dirty Dancing takes place? I don't think so. It actually might take place in, like, North Carolina Mounds. But I think, I think it was live. filmed in, yeah, I think it was filmed in, like, the Poconos, but I don't really know. They filmed um, um, Wet Hot American Summer in the Poconos. Oh, okay. So. And what is growing up in the Poconos like will that just be like anywhere else or is it like a tourist attraction or it's definitely like a tourist attraction in the winter because it's like snowboarding and skiing mm. it's pretty rural but also most people have moved here from New York or like a lot of kids 
that I went to school with, their parents worked in Manhattan and commuted. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it was boring. There's not, not a lot going on. Um, I feel like pretty typical of like yeah. not city living, you know? So was there like a scene? There was, there was like a small punk scene and we would go to shows and like, you know, you had your punks, you had your juggalos, pretty normal American experience, I think. I think though, what's interesting about like growing up somewhere that's not like a major city mm -hmm. is like how much you just kind of have to just deal with other types of even like subgenres. Like, I feel like when you know people that live in, like, like, if you grow up in Philly, you could just be like, I'm only going to hang out with kids that like, like, fast punk or whatever. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're like, I'm an emo kid uh -huh. all the time. That's yeah. me. And that might be kind of like how you identify, but like your actual life growing up, I guess, on the Poconos, or I grew up in like a smaller beach town in North Carolina, you kind of just had to deal with every part of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like for my musical life like I just drifted through like every you know it wasn't that big so and I went through so many phases of being like really into ska really into emo really into punk yeah what's interesting about kind of looking back on me personally with those phases it's like sometimes I felt like they were so big a part of my life but then when you kind of look at them in hindsight they might have been like six months yeah I think that's awesome though <laughs> and it was like I was clearly like I think I saw like SLC punk or something and I yeah. was like oh I can I think I can be kind of Jason Siegel's character or something uh, but you know, I like... think that's what everybody goes through because I definitely yeah. was like that too where I was like yeah I'm punk now or like just taking on new identities you know you're trying to see what fits i think but i think it's really funny to be like look back and you're probably right it probably is like six months yeah if even sometimes yeah. it might be like a week yeah. because i feel like there was a point where i was like i had like a social distortion phase and what i mean by that is like i did everything i could within the limited resources i had to kind of try and look like mike ness nice <laughs> <laughs> which was very strange for like a 13 year old yeah, or something. And I funny. don't know why that was the one, you uh -huh. know, cause they weren't, I don't even think that they were like a big one in my town. Like I wanted like creepers and stuff. You yeah. Know, like if that means anything to you. I know. Um, I know what creepers. I had a, a very slight rockabilly phase where I was that just a time frame thing. Cause I think we're, you know, I think we're around the same age, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think that must have just been a thing at the time. Yeah, probably. And it was like some sort of offshoot a few years after like the swing revival and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That was a fun uh, phase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was super into it, like Royal Crown Review and mm -hmm. uh, Cherry Pop and Daddy's uh, Dance Hall Crashers yeah just I, all of it i went to like my first year of college in denver colorado and the only friends i really made were rockabillies and they drove around hearsts and they were really badass <laughs> i was like this is i mean fun. that's that's so cool though like yeah. when i see people that still do that stuff i'm kind of in awe and kind of like i i, I told my wife and she says you're not going to do this but she's like I could see myself becoming that at some point. I hope that for you. <laughs> because it's 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 kind of nice to have a thing, you know. No, it sure is. 
It's a bit. It is a bit. Yeah. I like it. It's like, I it's don't, cool. I don't smoke cigarettes and I don't drink. So but you I'm could start. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll think... just put like something. Yeah, you can put candy ones in there. Yeah, like Pocky. Yeah. Why not? You can make <laughs> your own alcoholic beer. I drink yeah. non alcoholic beer. It's still fun. Yeah, same. So, yeah, I can figure out the. Maybe they're... I'll do like the kind of like movie cigarettes or something. Yeah. Life yeah. is long. You have a lot of time to, to get pick up yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then even longer to kind of like. I could just decide not to do it. I mean, maybe. I'm at a point now where I could probably buy all the things that would make me more of the bit. Because back then you just kind of cobbled something together. Yeah, you could buy. Uh, you could buy some. Yeah, I could buy creepers now. Yeah, you could. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about Jenny Lewis that much. That's okay. So. <laughs> she would approve. Uh, <laughs> um, so I was even like trying to look at some of the the big thing, the big concept that I found around this record was there's. A discussion kind of like looking at she was looking at like her parents divorce mm-hmm. was a piece of this record yeah. like but i do a thing and i'm always like kind of ashamed to admit it where i feel like i can listen to a record for a long time mm-hmm. and not completely digest what it's about it's just like bleeps and bloops sometimes and to me yeah yeah and I think it's it must be like a personality type. It might also because I came from liking a lot of like fast punk and heavy music, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't digest it in the same way. So what I'm my long way of saying, what is this record about to you? I kind of agree with you. Where I'm like, I never like, I'm like, this is what this record's about. Yeah. Like I just don't know. You know. I guess you could find out if you read about it. But yeah. I don't know. I always thought it was like. You know, definitely, it's definitely really depressing if you read the yeah. lyrics. But yeah. it's like has you know, I really like. I, it's funny. I listened to it today. Um, I was driving to get my car fixed, and I was like, "Damn, this record is still so good." Um, yeah. And a lot of records don't hold up after that much time, especially when there's like, I have such pivotal, nostalgic moments listening to this record. Like my first breakup. This was like my breakup record. I remember putting it in my AOL Instant Messenger away message you know yeah it's one of those baby um <laughs> so like i definitely interpreted it as like a my first like f- like this world sucks you know but it makes sense if it's about divorce or her parent you know it's like the execution of all things is the name of it you know um yeah i mean it i there's some dark themes yeah i can use i can listen to a record and get that out mm-hmm. of it you know like i can usually tell the vibe but sometimes then I get stuck more in just the vibe of it all. Yeah. You know, and then I almost start thinking about, I guess, like things that it correlates to of my life. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody is like, if someone were like, oh, you know what this song is about, I'll fi- find myself like singing to a hook. Mm-hmm. And then because of, you know, sometimes the hook in songs don't really correlate to what they're saying in the verse. Yeah. And then it's like, then I'll tell my spouse like, oh, I like this song. You should listen to it. And then, <laughs> then she's like, oh, this song's about like, getting a divorce and i'm like oh never mind sorry yeah yeah i, I guess yeah. i'm in the same boat as you because i don't really uh ever think about it that way i think it's because we had a rockabilly phase i think how so much too. are you really taking <laughs> in when you listen to like tiger army yeah not yeah. much just the yeah just the fast movement you know um yeah i don't know 
Well, I think what's also interesting, like you were saying with it kind of holding up, is there's like a maturity of the songwriting that I feel like I still haven't like nailed Mm -hmm. in like writing my own music. Like I always feel like when I'm like piecing a song together, I got to like throw more things on it, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's this like, it kind of has like a vibe, like, like an Americana record or like alt country in a way. I mean, there is like pedal steel on it, but there's a way that they're just allow it to just not load up a bunch of stuff like you know like kind of let things sit or let like a drum pattern just kind of like stay yeah for like the whole song like the first track does Mm -hmm. and just kind of like let it be you know just be confident in that it's a really hard thing to do i agree we i actually i'm trying to look which song it was but we covered a, a song off this record last year I already forget which one it was. Um, And I was like really excited. It was for some benefit. And I was really excited to cover like a Riley Kylie song. And I was thinking about that. I was like, man, it is very, it takes a lot of confidence to just have a very simple drum machine throughout the whole song. And and I think the record in itself feels so much like a, like a, like a record record. Like it's encapsulated Mm -hmm. in this thing that, you know, I don't know if it's as prevalent anymore. Um, I mean, it is, but, you know, people will like being very like single fo- focused and this record just feels like a complete package, you know? Yeah, this definitely doesn't. And that might be either to its benefit or not. I'm not really sure. I would say I would say it's definitely to its benefit. I would wonder as a label <laughs> was the way that this feels like a complete record would it have been to the benefit of like Saddle Creek? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't care about that because they were kind of on a different trip. But if this were because they eventually go on to be on Warner Brothers, I believe, on uh, Under the Blacklight uh-huh. or a major label. Yeah. And I would assume that that would be a bummer for a label that wants to sell things as singles, you know. But I don't know if that was like that much of a thing as it is now back then. Do you mm-hmm. think? Like, early- nope. Because if you're thinking about the other bands on Saddle Creek, it's like, I feel like none of them were really like, here's a hit. Yeah, but I almost wonder sometimes, I got, to answer that question, I don't know if that was a thing. Then mm-hmm. I guess in a sense of like radio or even radio in the sense of like, oh, this will be the single. I guess that would have still been radio, even if it was like college radio. True. Um, So it would have been like, what pure volume i don't know like i don't know if they would have been on that but something around that time so i guess you're still thinking of singles but not in the way that it feels like music is obsessed with now yeah you know but also i feel like that's such an arbitrary thing like people have kind of told us that we have to do things in singles but you could kind of just pick whatever you want as the singles you know like if you like a song and it's eight minutes long and you tell you know you're like this is our single Mm-hmm. that's definitely you can true. do that you can do whatever you, know? you want you can and i think that sometimes people are like oh you got to do this one and you got to write a song this way so that it can pop i feel like it's also like when you look at even what has become popular throughout history it's like it just does or it doesn't it's not necessarily because it's one thing or the other maybe rivers cuomo would mm-hmm. disagree with me but you know no i know <laughs> most what you're saying now. that kind of way yeah i know what you mean yeah. by that yeah. But I mean, I feel like I've never kind of like 
I don't even really like listening to people's singles when they release them because I feel like it doesn't give me an idea of like what a record is going to be. So I don't like hearing things out of context, you know, like I wouldn't want this record outside of just it being the full picture. Yeah. So I'm, kinda, I'm agreeing with what you said earlier, because I think it is like this is an album, mm-hmm. you know, and not everything is. That's very true. I like yeah. an album. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's I think that people kind of. I mean, I don't know if I've nailed it in an album before, but I but I think that there's ways I think you could trick people into thinking that things are an album and people just don't think about things that way because I think people are very like single focused. There's a lot of like themes on this record that kind of seem to kind of repeat and not in a sense of like, like it's a prog rock record, but it just feels like it kind of goes back to a vibe Yeah, at certain points in it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you create. I feel like you could almost create something and be in an album if you just put like, like, Mellotron on track one and then Mellotron on track twelve, and then people would be like, "Oh wow, you revisited it." You know, like I, I wonder if no, you that's definitely true. It. I feel I agree with you, and I think they do do that. Yeah, because even in their other records, it's very much like there's repeating musical vibes that that reappear throughout the records. Yeah. I think that's I think really what I'm working through though personally is that sometimes I feel like I personally overthink songwriting mm-hmm. to the point that you just don't do it. And once again I'm saying that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know. Like you overthink it and then you're like burnt out and you're just you're not writing or you or you get overwhelmed by the idea of like making an album in that way. Um I mean all of it mm. <laughs> because it's like it's like it's hard to just kind of look at a house and be like i start with the first brick mm. no you i know, know what you're saying and yeah. it's like really all you have to think about is that brick in that moment mm-hmm. you know now i sound very wise i but, know i was about uh, to be like wow you sound so wise <laughs> but it really is that it's like so you it, get you're all... getting yourself psyched out to start yeah because yeah. it's like well how will i sell this record that a hundred people will ever hear Mm -hmm. and then well then that's also that that kind of ends the process where you're like but what if only a hundred people ever hear this thing i worked a few years on yeah you know no i get that Uh, because in the reason i feel like i even the reason i kind of went off on this tangent was i think about just like the simple drum machine on like the first track Mm -hmm. or like they do a lot of things in rilo kylie where it's like there's like a very simple guitar line, mm-hmm. you know, and, but it, but it, it's very purposeful. Yeah. It feels like there should not be anything else there. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at it in a way and be like, they could have shredded more on that. It's just, yeah. it's as it should be at yeah. all times. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that's like, oh, but that's all you have to do in like a good way, you know, yeah. not like. Not like you're breaking it apart and being like, oh, this is... Because it's not like childish or anything. It's just like... It's simple. Simple simple for the act of being simple. And yeah. I don't know. It's it's so hard to just do that. And that's what that's what I got a lot out of listening to this record. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. I like that, though. And I, I feel like I, I'm... Uh, at least in my band, I'm probably the least... Be, uh, 
the worst musician. And I gravitate towards simple things. Mm-hmm. Same. And uh, I'm, I, I'm kind of just like, okay, I'm going with it. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I, I am very much like, this is what I'm writing and this is it. And um, my partner and bandmate is very like incredible, like music theory is a recording engineer, so musically talented. And it's sometimes just like, oh, it's simple, fine. Like we have this conversation a lot where it's like the need to like, we don't have to make this harder than it is. Sometimes mm-hmm. it needs that and sometimes it doesn't. I'm the simple guy, you're the complicated, you know what I mean? It's yeah. nice, but I know what you're saying. But I think you should just start putting those bricks down, baby. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, like when I listen to a record like this, I'm like, I should just, it almost, this is the type of album that makes me feel like it's like, after I'm done listening to it, I need to just start writing. Yeah, the, honestly, you know? that's why I love this band. Because they're yeah. really inspiring to me. Yeah, and that's and it, and it's not really in a sense of like like i i don't think i could do write this record it's not like a, you listen to something and you're like i can do that you know like uh but it's in a way it's like i can do a version of that yeah that maybe hopefully even get somewhat close i think that they're honestly a very unique band yeah. um and especially for the time that they came out and like like we were saying like even listening to it now it's still like just a really solid record and it like stuff doesn't come off cheesy. Like I want to write, I would love to write a record as good as a Rilo Kylie record. Um, but I feel the same way. Like I'll listen to it and be like, man, I want to do this. I want. Yeah. And that's awesome. Like that's the best thing ever. Well, when I, th- I think when I was growing up, there was this idea of things being like twee, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, even in hindsight, this doesn't feel twee. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not even completely sure if I even understand completely all the time what that means. Yeah. You know, but like, well, there was a part in the Nardwar thing that I'll reference again, uh, where they talk about like, uh, where Nardwar was saying that Blake and Jenny Lewis will like share a keyboard mm-hmm. during a live set. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so is there like ever points where you're like both at, the same keyboard with like a microphone and that feels like that would have been twee mm-hmm. you know? yeah like it's like an affectation or like there might be someone with like a child's instrument there was a lot of that yeah, yeah around yeah. this time where it's like you know in the, i guess like funny. tilly in the wall with like you know tap yeah. shoes and stuff mm-hmm. you know and like that would have been my definition of twee but even looking back because i would have put this in that era this feels so much more mature. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Than any of that. That was like a funny. Th- that was funny. A funny time. It, the toy it was. piano. That was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I agree. It felt it like. Er- oh, sorry. No, you go. You go. Oh, I was saying it just felt like everyone kind of had like, well, this is our thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tap dancing, or like we have a guy that, you know, has like a the kind of Mary Poppins full band kind of thing. Yeah. It might be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but whatever. Um, you know, it's kind of like there would be a bit, you yeah. know, you know, what you were saying. No, that's just funny. I haven't yeah. thought about that in a while. That yeah. was definitely a thing. <laughs> Man, we need to find ourselves some new bits. We do. Cause I don't know. I mean, maybe there is like, I wonder like, cause that is like a thing you could sell, 
in a way like it's like if you're if you're if you are trying to think of things like oh how do i get written about Mm -hmm. uh maybe bringing a piece of wood and tap dancing on it (laughs) would get someone to write about you and that's not to no discredit of tilly and the wall yeah but it's like you know it'll open a door for you so they still had to be a good band yeah for sure but you know it's like i don't you know what if what do any of my bands have an angle on to be like written about you know and that's that's fine mm-hmm. but it's like we maybe we need that back i mean but even like what does rilo kylie what did they have in sense of like what people could write about i guess they could be like oh she was in the movie the wizard you I know think, but yeah i think so that she was a know. child actress i don't know and then even blake was too i like didn't even he, know that he was in that show salute your shorts oh that show was great yeah that's cool. so quintessential like la people yeah but i mean dave foley did finance the ep so maybe there's something there to that but it doesn't feel like in this era they were kind of afforded these things because of that history I agree. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe we don't know, but it doesn't take away from the fact they're a great band. Yeah, they're a great band. Like, I don't, you know, that all of that could be true. Mm -hmm. All of the doors could have been open. They could have gotten a van because, like, she had, or he had Salute Your Shorts money and she had whatever kind of child actor money. But we're still talking about them, and that's barely, this is the first time in the conversation we've even mentioned that. Yeah. You know, it's not a big focus of it. And I never felt like it's been like a big focus even throughout her career. Like you don't feel like people, people are listening to Jenny Lewis because she's Jenny Lewis. Like she's built a career off the back of her work. Not like, oh, this is the kid from the thing. Yeah, for sure. One thing I like doing when I'm going, looking at these records is uh, pitchfork reviews from the time. And they're always, especially in like 2002, um there's always just like a way people wrote around this time frame that's like so rude <laughs> you know that doesn't uh, surprise me yeah it's it's always like a it's like a reoccurring thing um i believe they were like in the review it's it's essentially just like oh they haven't it's interesting that this is good because what they've done before is so bad Whoa. It's kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll say, it. They, so say it a little, they say it differently than that, but I feel like this is what they're saying. It's always great to hear a band known for their so so records suddenly make one where everything clicks. Whoa. <laughs> like Rilo Kylie's self titled debut was catchy and smart, but erratic. And then the follow up last year, so I guess they're counting the EP as uh, kind of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the follow up last year's Takeoff and Landing came off as languid and lazily paced with undistinguished writing, which I would not say about, I haven't really spent a lot of time with the EP yeah, or like any time, but I'm like, that is not, that is not what the, there's like a purpose to that record. Yeah. And in the same, in the same way that this record is, it just feels like they had like a different toy box. That's like the kind of the only difference. I mean, it's like everything is still there. Like even the way, like, like, Jenny Lewis will like form words and she kind of has these little tricks to kind of like pull out like mm-hmm. words in like a verse. But I, so I would never be like, this is lazy or this is like an improvement. It just feels like they had a different setting than yeah, the last sure. one. It's just like clearly a different studio. Cause there's just 
you know, all types of different people play on this, like Tim Kasher, uh, Mike Mogus, and just really they, they were able to use everyone at, at uh, Saddle Creek, it seemed mm-hmm. like, you know. So, yeah, I totally disagree with that. Review. Wow, that's mean. Pitchfork's so mean. Yeah. I can't imagine being a music writer and being like, this is a bad, I don't know. I would never be able to do that. And that was, I feel like that was this, that was nice for this period of time. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I've never done that. Maybe I should. (laughs) You should what? Write reviews? No, read old Pitchfork reviews, (laughs) but they'll just make me sad. I don't know. They're usually, this is nice comparatively. Wow. They're just like, like there's, uh, uh, why am I, Silver Sun Pickups, um, there's one where they're just essentially just like, oh, there's a girl in the band. Oh my God. That's what it feels like. That's like, and they do that stuff. And then any like emo record, I've talked about this on a few episodes. Anytime it's like emo, it's just, this was a little bit safer because I think it, it was viewed as indie rock. Yeah. Yeah. Like any emo records got like a 0.5. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, go look up like old Alkaline Trio reviews. Weird. Like if they even exist, because they almost refuse to like, review anything that was pop punk adjacent yeah um so and emo just got slammed That's so but wild. if if you were like in indie rock camp mm-hmm. then i felt like you got a good review yeah you know even if they said mean things to you <laughs> and you wow. know it was still like a, this is a 7.5 out of 10 so that's good that is a good review yeah but they're just mean along the way yeah <laughs> so to kind of be like and I've had I've had this in reviews too, where people will be like, "I don't know why writers do this. It's like they gotta say something nice, then kind of like take something away from you. Like, yeah. and that's what this review felt like. It's just like they were really for someone to be like, if they came up to you when you after you played a show and were like, last time I saw you, you were really bad. Mm-hmm. Tonight you were good. Mm-hmm. You you wouldn't take that second part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure." I don't get it. I don't know. I could never be on that side of it. Yeah. I respect it, I guess. I wish that people, what we should start doing, uh, I would never do this. I don't have the courage to, um, is when someone writes a review, the band should write a review back about the review. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) I really do. I mean, I also feel like it's strange because I feel like we're all held hostage by Pitchfork. We're like they've done a lot of terrible things and and are mean to people and ultimate gatekeepers but everybody still wants to be reviewed by pitchfork yeah i mean i even in this moment telling you about this i'm like fearful of anything you know it's like you still kind of it it has a thing over you even if you try and act like it doesn't no for sure yeah yeah and then also probably get into like condi nash nast and uh other labor practices which is probably across the board with any of these kind of, you know, publications. It's so strange. But yeah. But on that note, um, so you recently, or that's actually, I don't know how to phrase that. I'm trying to remember the last time. Uh, I don't like referring to anyone's project in a sense of like, what have you been up to? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, obviously, in this time frame of the world. Mm hmm. It's like weird, you know, so I I wanted to phrase that properly. Like, so I guess if you have like things coming up with Gladdy and that's another thing. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say it out loud. That's right. That's right. Okay. Right. Some people say Glady. 
I'm open to whatever. Gla- yeah. It is Gladdy. Um, yeah, I mean, it is confusing. We we have some shows coming up this summer, not as much as I wish we did. Uh, we did just finish a record. Um, they just have to mix it, master, which is exciting because we did take like a good, put a lot of time into it. So I'm excited about that, but that's kind of all I have going on. Yeah, I, I think what I'm also thinking about, I know that you were on Better Yet podcast and I listened to that episode, I guess when that came out. So it's been a while yeah. now. And I, so that might have been closer to like the beginning of the pandemic when mm-hmm. that came out. Yeah. Um, beginning, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it could, yeah, it could have been a year in at that point. I don't know. Uh, and I, I like what you were talking about in that about kind of like figuring out how to do things kind of yourself. Yeah. You know, like being self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. It was like an interesting thing. And in like around that time frame, like me and my bandmates and also my wife, like we were trying to amass recording stuff on our own. Yeah. You know, and I haven't used it as much as wanted to, but have some. Like it is interesting to kind of like just think about doing as much of it yourself as you can like truly you know i feel like Mm -hmm. people say the term diy a lot but it's like what does that truly mean yeah yeah so i mean i yeah we definitely do we do do everything ourselves. um i I feel very lucky that my partner is a recording engineer it makes it a lot easier because we have a studio Um, but i don't know if i could even still do music if that wasn't the case because it you know there's no money in it it's hard to um but I'm excited. I feel like we we spent a lot of time on it and it's definitely like the record that I've always wanted to make. I don't know what will happen. Will we be able to play shows? Will people listen to it? I don't know, but it's done. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Do you think that I guess has the time from that point, let's say that better yet, uh episode that might have been twenty twenty mm-hmm. um to now. Has your viewpoint of like what you do in music like changed because of this time away? I think so. I mean, I yeah. I would be lying if I said I wasn't completely defeated right now. You know, <laughs> like we put out our first record right before the pandemic, and then we put out like four EPs, and now we're finishing a record, and now it's hard for us to get shows. You know, and it's like I feel like I've worked so hard and put like mo- most of my adult life into trying to do music I work all these jobs so I can go on tour and it is a little defeating like like damn this is always a struggle but it's also like a struggle that I chose so yeah that's that's what's hard like I I feel like I've tried to just like I feel like I know that I'm not gonna stop doing it in some form or the other Mm -hmm. but it's like I don't really know what that means but then sometimes that's like all you need or at least that's what i tell myself it's like i know i'm gonna keep doing it so all those little bits that kind of come up along the way like where am i playing where am i sleeping and it's like it still has to kind of go back to i guess to to uh do my own call back it's like it's got to just go back to that first brick yeah all right no you know? you're definitely right and i think that's I, i've talked to a lot of friends recently who are kind of feeling the same way of just being a little defeated i mean it's it was hard in general. Now it's way harder, you know, mm-hmm. like I've t- I actually talked to a few people today that are on tour and have COVID 
And it's like, I have a, I'm immunocompromised. I'm scared of touring. I've done some touring since the pandemic. Like we did some shows with AJJ and some with Slaughter Beach Dog and it was great. I'm a little scared to tour. I'm really scared to get COVID, even though I know everybody's like, it's over. Like, um, but yeah, it makes it so much harder. So sometimes you're like, man, why, I, why am I working so hard at this? Like, is it pointless? But then it's like, well, we like music. That's why. And we're going to keep doing yeah. it anyway. So. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know when that record came out, the Cloudy record and the EPs, I personally really like those records. And I like, oh, like, I mean, I've played shows with uh, like Three Man Cannon and Aww, uh, well, we've played, awesome. yeah, and we played together uh, at some point uh, with Cayetana and Charlotte. And I didn't know that. I'm sorry. I was drunk for like no, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like I, I, I love seeing like kind of where people go with music, mm-hmm. you know, and this part I may end up cutting out cause this is another thing I don't like really putting out to people, mm-hmm. um, is like, I appreciate where people go almost like more than I'll say it in a different way. So because you spend time on social media, there's like this thing I feel like what people will do with like, let's say title fight, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll be like, when's title fight coming back? Yeah. But it's like all of those people are like doing other stuff, you I know? know, and it's like people can't appreciate like the next step. I think that's you know? really, it's, that's in full transparency. That's been really hard. <laughs> I, like, I would bet. We're all, I'll, I have, I had a close friend during the pandemic and at this point we had released like a bunch of stuff. Like we were putting out EPs every few months mm-hmm. and I had a friend that was like, oh, I wish you were still doing music. And I was just like, yeah. dude, I've been doing music. There was never a point, like as soon as Kaitana broke up, I did that thing with Anika and Sheena. And then I put out, a, like, there's never been a gap more than a year where I haven't released music. And I don't expect people to like Gladi as much as Kaitana, but it is so hard when people won't even like give it a chance. Yeah, that's like a hard thing with like touring sometimes. Like, uh, so I feel like it's like if I'm playing a show in like let's say Louisville, Kentucky, and like mm-hmm. no one, it's say like no one shows up or it's not what you expect, and then like it's like people don't even know. Cause, okay, so what I'll do sometimes is I'll be like, they people must really hate me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like people don't even know me enough to like hate me. Yeah, you know, and so it's like weird that people just i guess on one hand like people won't just like try it mm-hmm. and then also they don't i guess what i'm saying is they don't know what they're missing but i don't, I don't know if that's really what i'm trying to say um it's just interesting like i feel like i'm willing to go on a journey with like an artist as they go past the project that one project mm-hmm. and because i feel like i'm kind of like musically growing where you all have been going you know, it's funny yeah. to tie this into Jenny Lewis. I remember, yeah. I think because I'm sensitive to that now and of being like, you know, I love Kaitana. I appreciate everything that that band offered me and I love my bandmates and, but we broke up and it's like, all right, it's not the end of the world. Like I didn't see that as like the end of my music. Music has been a lot harder since, but it, I'm so sensitive to when people have been like, oh, I love like, they'll, I've had people straight up be like, come to the show and be like i love i I love your old band and like not this you know what i mean like people have said that well like in more or less words yeah you know what i mean like kind of like the pitchfork review yeah kind (laughs) of like that and uh 
I, when that Jenny Lewis, um, when we covered the Rilo Kylie song, they like wrote about it for something like, cause there was a bunch of bigger artists on this comp. And I remember seeing someone who's like totes that they're like the hugest Jenny Lewis fan being like, I just wish Rilo Kylie would get back together. This is the best thing Jenny Lewis has ever done. And I'm like, that is not a compliment to her. Like, yeah. I, and I remember specifically when I was writing about it, not that Jenny Lewis would ever see my damn Twitter, but being like, this is like, this record was so formative to me and it made me want to be a songwriter because it did. But I still love and appreciate the fact that Jenny Lewis is still making music. And I would mm -hmm. never, now I will never say to someone like, you know, because that's not a compliment. It's not. It yeah. hurts. And it's like, Jenny Lewis has done so much stuff since then. Like this record can be important to you and you could love it and it could be special, but it's like so limiting to say that to someone when they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. It's mean. Yeah. I, I feel like what was, uh, what was interesting and I'm assuming a lot about like your relationships with people that I don't know that well. Um, so I, I apologize, but okay. like, with the project you did with Anika uh, and Sheena, mm -hmm. like it felt like from my perspective, it was like people that have had kind of a similar kind oh. of feeling of like, for sure. The th yeah. The thing is, the thing is done and behind me, this is me moving past it in a different way. Yeah. You know, and I love that about it. And I wish that more people kind of like had that ability or not even ability is not the right word. Um, the I wish people followed along with the, those kind of things, those transformations that artists make because and if the, if they do and I'm just like saying something out of school, that'd be nice, you know, to be wrong on. But it, it feels I, I, I'm just saying I, I hate when people do that. I think that's rude. People should stop doing it like they have to have enough self-awareness to not be like, I miss Lemuria. Well, <laughs> I think that's one of those things, too, where it's like when people when now we're like so much of the culture feels to me like you're a brand and you're you're like you're 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 branding yourself your band is your brand then people don't realize it's like a person you know like that that you can read all this shit about yourself or you know yeah like it kind of takes a little of your identity away i feel like a little bit where it's like these are still people like i don't know there, here's a reason why I think sometimes people do this, and I, I think I'm completely wrong here, is that I feel like because I was raised in quotes punk, I, I feel like I there was no like stage mm -hmm. to me. Like it was like when I was seeing bands, they were like up on a piece of plywood, you know. So it was, there wasn't that much distinction. Yeah. But I always felt like there was a person on the other end. Yeah. For and sure. I wonder if like, because I don't know if like kids are like punk anymore. You know, and that's fine. They don't yeah. need to be. But I wonder if like, do do we think differently of that because like we kind of lived a life outside of social media, or is just, I wonder? I mean, I feel like person? that. Has, I don't know. I I think you're probably right because I even even I feel like we came from the same thing. We're like, even some of my friends that are very successful, uh, have like kind of punk ethos. You know, where it's like, I'm not better, like, they're not acting better than anyone, even though they're like successful in music. And yeah, then you do see, like, you know, if you're, if I was coming up now, 
I would be very intimidated to make music because it's like, oh, well, no one's going to take me seriously unless I have a hundred thousand followers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that's very daunting. Like you, you have to go through the phase of like being fucking shitty. Like, yeah, like your band sucks. Like you have to do that. I don't know. Just be hard. Yeah, I I think like I've seen people just you know I didn't want to say like bands names it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter, uh it's just you know like they'll be like oh the new album they'll just tweet it like the new album by this band sucks and it's like I get it whatever we're not gonna mm-hmm. like everyone's art, um yeah. so I get it in that capacity but I'm like you're really not <laughs> considering how small this type of music is, you mm-hmm. know uh like it's like if someone said something about like gladdy mm-hmm. you're probably gonna see it yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like yeah. and even like bigger than that let's say it's like the menzingers or something those guys still see that stuff i assume yeah you know and it's like oh, for sure you know and so whatever band you want to insert there they're probably a better level and it's like i know those guys probably still see it yeah for sure and it yeah and if it does still affect people yeah you know what i mean not that you shouldn't say like I'm just, there's definitely bands that I don't like, or it's just like, this isn't the kind of type of music I'd like, you know, but I would never, I would never be like, this band absolutely sucks. Unless they were like straight up evil people. Yeah. Then it's fine. You know? Yeah. Then it's fine. You know? But like, yeah, but it is strange. People love to hate, you know? Yeah. And I get it. Like, it's like when I, when I start thinking like a few removed, it's like, Oh, I've made jokes about like Aerosmith on Twitter, you know, and it's like, yeah, you, know, you don't assume that, you know, and that's that seems ridiculous. Me saying them, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know where the line is, you know, like how big does a band get to where they don't see this stuff anymore? You know, or like, but, you know, that's kind of even further away from what we were talking about. It's just like. I would say to anyone listening to this, like if you think you want to go to a band, let's say like Kayatana, you know, or you go to their projects like don't tell people that you know like don't kind of like you know like whatever band it is that you're going to go see please don't tell them you like their other project better Mm -hmm. while they're doing that project like if that's an unsaid thing that needs to be said yeah then 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 you know (laughs) any listeners of this podcast i went i did a tour with this band i won't say their name but they were in a their old band was really really popular and this person and the singer was selling their merch and people were like lined up. This person bought, brought old concert tickets to their, from their old band, a t-shirt and all this stuff for them to sign old records of their old band. And I was like, this is so, this makes me so sad. Cause obviously the kid didn't, wasn't being malicious in any way, but I was also just like, this is really hard for him. Like, I know this is hard for my friend because it was also hard, like a hard ending too. And I was like, man, this is, yeah. What's tough though is like, if I th- if I were to think about something as a fan, mm-hmm. then how would you get that kind of moment with the thing that you had a big connection with? That's you know? true. Um, yeah. But I, I, but I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be like, I I don't. There's nothing inside of me that would want me to go up while Jenny Lewis is doing a Jenny Lewis show, and be like, I really think. Rilo Kylie should get back together. You know, as a person, I'd be excited if it happened. <laughs> Me too. But I don't think that there's any way that's like, like if Lemuria got back together tomorrow or even Kayatana, I'm excited for you all. I'm I'm excited yeah. if, you know, like Chumped got back together. You know, we were talking about Anika. Mm-hmm. 
but it's yeah. like I don't feel this necess- necessity that that has to happen, you know, for me to enjoy where these people have gone. And I'm kind of I'm happy that you know you've gone the way you have with with Gladdy and all of the people that we discussed, like where they're going with their music, because I want to see that journey. You know. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Anika, like she was up here recording like for her new EP that's not out yet, but I heard it. It's so good. And it's yeah. so amazing. And I, you know, we've been friends this whole time and our old bands toured together. And I was just like, wow. Like I love Chumped, obviously, but like yeah. what Anika can do now. And like, especially this new record that's coming out. Just like, this is amazing. Like I would rather never hear the songs, the first songs that I ever wrote, which were the first Kaitana songs. Cause I'm just like, first of all, that's so long ago. I was definitely drunk the whole time. I just don't want to think about it, but it is cool. Like I feel the same way hearing Anika's new songs. I'm like, this is amazing. You got so much better. Yeah. That, I mean, that, cause that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's like when you kind of put, when you kind of put these things, cause it's like these, none of these bands we mentioned have been, are so big that it's like smash mouth or something, you know, it's like, like, it's like, you know, maybe I guess if you got on the Shrek soundtrack, it would be a little harder to like put down, you know, but like, but like, <laughs> yeah, there's, it's just like, these are just people. I, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say. It's, it's like, it's just hard to kind of think of these relationships and people trying to put it in a box and you're like, you have to stay in that box forever. Mm-hmm. It's such yeah. a strange thing that gets stranger as we kind of like make it smaller and smaller. Like even to be like, tell someone in Menzingers, like you have to play this song until you're 80 years old or but that's whatever also, it is. People have expectations of a band like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like remember when Gaslight Anthem, uh, I wasn't like a huge Gaslight Anthem fan when they were like really popular, but I remember everybody loved like the 59 sound and then they did a record and everybody was like angry about it. And it's like, so even if you are in a band that's still like still working on stuff and you're not using your band formula, people get mad. Yeah. It's like, how can you win, man? (laughs) Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Well, it's tough when you get to that because even like, uh, because I mean, I saw Brian Fallon uh, because the Hurry, like Hurry went on tour with Brian Fallon recently. And uh, I watched that and I was just like, you know, I didn't have like a, big relationship with gaslight anthem like you know i remember when they were like playing small record stores yeah you know and stuff and then they were just big yeah that's kind of how that's kind of how i feel too where like yeah i remember that time but i wasn't like super immersed in it yeah and and then like i was like oh this is this is really cool what he's doing now and i remember Mm -hmm. having that thought i haven't really listened to that much brian fallon solo stuff and I was like, cool, because he like filled a big venue in town. It was like, yeah, I don't know, eight hundred to a thousand caps. So I was like, wow, this is going great, mm-hmm. you know. And then right after that, the Gaslight Anthem stuff like got announced, like, oh, they're reuniting, and uh, great, mm-hmm. you know. But also, I hope that kind of from what we're saying, I hope that's not because you didn't feel like he could do that. I don't know. You know? I feel like I feel like he does really well on his own yeah so maybe it's maybe it's for some other reason i don't know yeah and if you kind of went around even everyone we're talking about and even yourself if you get to a point and you're like you want to do you wanted to do it because it's just what you want to do yeah then 
great, mm-hmm. you know, but like out of the sheer fact of like, because people won't let someone, you know, I wouldn't want to beg Rilo Kylie to come back, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like it seems rude. It is rude. Yeah. We're on the same page I, with that. I, yeah. But... I didn't think we were going to take it in that, uh, <laughs> that territory, but we did. <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking forward to the new Gladi record and uh, can't wait for it to come out. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And uh, before I truly let you go, where can people find you online if you want that to happen? I'm on um, <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I don't know my I don't know what Gladi's Twitter is. I think it's like with two E's. I don't know if you Google Gladi band Twitter, it's on there and Instagram. I'm bad at this. It's funny because I do social media for a store for a living, but I'm bad at social media. Yeah, it's hard when it's like your own thing. Yeah, it's true. It's hard to be your own cheerleader in this life. (laughs) Yeah, but once again, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, this was really nice. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Thanks again to Augusta for coming on the pod. Don't forget to check out Gladys' most recent album, Everyone is Talking But You, and their more recent EPs. Also, go check out the EP Augusta did with Sheena of Lemuria and former guest Anika Pyle. Really great stuff. Okay, next time on the pod, we're talking with Chance Smith of Kerosene Heights, a newer band out of Asheville, North Carolina. We talked about Seisha's self-titled 1998 album and just about the band in general, so stay tuned. Once again, check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinning out pod and don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram lastly please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you do that sort of thing reviews definitely help thanks as always to sarah blumenthal for adding the pod and pretty maddie for the theme okay see you next week